Welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. I'm your host, Greg Bennett. And today I'm joined by my co-host, my wife, and multiple Olympian and former world number one, Laura Bennett. And in today's episode, we discuss some of the great episodes and guests of the show from the last 18 months. Um, And then we discuss the evolution of the sport of triathlon, what we've seen change, the athletes, the races, the training, um, the recovery, and just all the equipment changes that we've seen. Um, Truly a lot of great insights and a bit of fun storytelling throughout this one. Now, before we go on, thank you all so much for listening. Um, We'd love you to support the show. You can do so by just sharing it and or you can support the show's sponsors, Athletic Greens, Hyper Ice and Form Swim Goggles. Um, And if you're feeling really generous, you can go to our Patreon page and give as much or as little as you want and you can stop that whenever you want. I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. Um, It was really fun to have Laura join me and she's going to be joining me um, in the future in many of the episodes, hopefully. And uh, we enjoyed sort of doing this show together. So let us know what you think and give us your feedback. Now remember, success comes to those who endure just one moment longer. Do you want to move better? Do you want to reach your full potential? If yes, then you should really consider Hyperice recovery tools. Personally, I use the Hypervolt and the Vibrating Roller daily. So simple, quick, and easy to look after my body at home. Hyperice is currently running a few sales on both the Normatec line and the Hypervolt with Bluetooth. It's a great time for anyone to take advantage of the discount. Plus, get 10% off all Hyperice products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show code, Greg21, at checkout. Go to hyperice.com, that's hyperice.com, H-Y-P-E-R-I-C-E.com and use code GREG21 at checkout. Are you someone who enjoys swimming in the open water? Personally, I love it far more than the pool. The thing though that I miss in the open water swimming is the ability to get any feedback. But now with the Form Smart Swim Goggles, I have that covered. Whether I'm in the pool or open water, I can get my feedback. With Form Swim Goggles, you can see all your key metrics while you're swimming your distance, pace, stroke rate, and heart rate. This swim data is displayed on the goggle lens, and you can customize the display to see the metrics you want to see. The goggles track it all and are automated. You start them at the beginning of your swim, and you don't have to press any buttons in between. They automatically track everything. The goggles connect to the Form Swim app on your smartphone, and there you can review all the details of your swims. The battery life is incredible, with a one-hour charge giving you 16 hours of swimming time. So go to formswim.com forward slash Greg, that's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off, or you can use code Greg15 at checkout. I'm using Athletic Greens every day. Great taste, so quick and just ready to go. I've discussed Athletic Greens with several of the guests who are using it daily as well, Miranda Carfrey, Timothy O'Donnell, Tim Don, and Sebastian Kinley. You see, Athletic Greens is more than just a multivitamin and mineral. It's a delicious blend of 75 superfoods, vitamins, minerals, probiotics, greens blend, and more to support your gut health, energy, immunity, and stress. My focus is overall health, longevity, feeling good, and feeling like I'm optimizing each day. And Athletic Greens is there for me to do just that. I've also been doubling down on Athletic Greens vitamin D, a huge portion of the population of vitamin D deficient, including myself. And right now, Athletic Greens will give you a year's supply of vitamin D for free and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Please do yourself a favor and sign up. It also makes a great gift for a family member or friend. 
So sign up now and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. All right, today's episode, I officially bring on my co-host, my wife, and multiple Olympian and former world number one ranked triathlete in the world, Laura Bennett. You see, Laura and I have been together for 21 years this year. For so much of that time, we worked together to just maximize ourselves and our athletic careers. But for all of this time, we've been doing what we can to help each other become better, to just optimize our lives. And you can listen to Laura's episode on, I think it was number 38, um, when we discussed her journey and her process. Um, But today's episode is an introduction to us as a couple, how we balance the two professional athletic careers and how we operate now. Uh, Laura will be joining the show from time to time as a co-host. A lot of that will be dependent on timing of interviews with guests and how we can work around the kids' naps and sleep schedules. But without further ado, welcome to The Greg Bennett Show. Laura. Thank you so much for having me, Greg. Here she is, that beautiful voice just to soften my harsh voice. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us down in this basement. We've now created a studio in our basement in Boulder and I'm I'm pretty blown away by it. What do you think? I like it. I like it. Very professional. Um, Very fun. Yeah. Well, it's um, finally I've got you here. Now, you've been listening to the show for, well, 18 months and um, listening to me sort of panic because I'm trying to get guests and and do all the editing. What have you thought so far? Yeah, I've really enjoyed the show. I'm really impressed with what you've done. Mm. Very proud of you. (laughs) Any any specific episodes stand out to you? Oh, sure. I mean, I'm bit of a science geek. So the doctors really appeal to me, you know, Dr. Tommy Wood, Dr. Sapaya, Dr. Maroon, and Dr. Muhammad with the DNA information. So yeah, but beyond that, you, you know, you've had so many great um, sports science guys. And of course, right now in my career, which is non-existent, <laughs> um, I can't use a lot of that information, but it's so interesting to think back of when I was racing and all the information that they've got coming out now. I mean, it's not like they're reinventing the book, but maybe it's more information that we didn't have when we were racing. And so it's really interesting to see, you know, maybe where our little pitfalls were and, you know, had these guys been around when we were, or had we had them access to us, we could have um, had some sharpening in certain areas. (laughs) It's true. Well, I mean, you mentioned those coaches. I mean, yeah. Quite often I leave an episode after recording an episode with some of these coaches. I'm like, oh, I could really do with him in my corner. If I make yeah. a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Too bad sport has an age limit yeah. or, you know, timeline. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed enjoyed Joel's and, you know, Dan and Dan Plews. I mean, there's a lot of new information out there that mm. um, that was new to me, you know. And so it was really, really enjoyable to um, to listen to those guys. But yeah. And then of course, you know, the athletes that we've, we've had so many fabulous triathletes on, obviously there's a, it's a big group of triathletes that we're targeting, but um, yeah, the new school guys like Chris, like Christian Blumenfeld and his precision to detail and how much sports science he has behind him as well. And I found that really interesting, the level that they're taking it to, you mm. know, I think, I think Jan kind of did that too, but um, these young guys are starting out now with mm. a lot of that science, um, and I think it's really helping their performances a lot. And and I love the heartfelt um, Vincent Louis, and you know how he got into the sport, and you know his dad 
gave him the, the option, you know, mm. and he took it and ran and has done so well for himself. I don't know, kind of makes you feel really good about it. No, they're, they're two great ones. And, and I think you're right. I think what the Norwegians are doing, Christian Blumenfeld, Gustav Eden, and their coach who I just had on a couple of weeks ago, Aril Svetten, um, just incredible. The amount of detail and yeah. the preparation they're doing is, is next level. Um, Vincent Lewis, who you mentioned, just, I didn't know Vincent. And I reached out to him to have him on the show and, and he was honored to come on, which was a real like, oh, wow. You know, like this next generation of powerhouse was actually excited to come on the show. And, and I left that episode going, wow, that was an inspirational conversation. You absolutely. Know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've enjoyed so many of the shows, GB. I think, you know, having the old school guys that I kind of grew up with was mm. ki- is kind of nice to hear from them as well. And, you know, their complete journey, you know, you, you hear bits and pieces and you've talked to them, but if you haven't targeted exactly what, you know, the information, all their information, then you didn't get to hear as much as when you when you interviewed them. And so, you know, I'm hearing from Mark Allen and Dave Scott and mm. Maka and Simon. I mean, those guys were, we were all racing together at the time. And then of course, Siri was through my generation too. And I mean, not to mention all the girls that I actually raced with, yeah. you know, the Loretta's and those guys, but um, yeah, I mean, maybe we'll get her on here one day. Yeah. Well, hey, well now that you're here, I'm hoping we can get even more women on. Um, we do have quite a few lined up over the next few weeks, though. We have um, Vicky Holland coming on, who is a bronze medalist in 2016 Olympics. Uh, we have Daniela Reef. I believe you've reached out to her. and yep, um, She wasn't too keen on doing podcasts in 2020, but uh, I believe you've been speaking to her and, yep. and she might come on and, and have a conversation with us. So that'd be fantastic. Um, Ashley Gentle will be coming on the next few weeks. So we got we got a lot of, we really got a star-studded uh, lineup of this this next sort of five to six weeks um, leading into the Olympic Games. There's, there's quite a few stars coming on. Um, you know, it's, for me, it's been a real privilege to have people like, uh, you know, Jan Fredino and Alistair and Jonathan Brownlee, um, the real big hitters right now. Um, come on the show. That's been that's been really fun for me as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Paula, she just won mm. in Daytona. Mm-hmm. What was that? Almost in March, right? Mm-hmm. In March. And so, yeah. So it's good. You're getting the most current guys racing, and and I mean, I know the racing isn't um, tons of it right now, but you know, grabbing those guys and seeing where they're at, and even how they're dealing with the situation that they're in. Mm. I, I I think uh, also. You know, it's been a real thrill for me to even get athletes that aren't triathletes. You know, um, our mutual friend, friend uh, Mark Weber, mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Very Finally nice. got him. Poor guy, he was stuck in Australia on uh, COVID restrictions, didn't have a computer, only had his phone. And so the quality of audio of that, he wasn't totally happy with. And, uh, you know, it was just kind of a Zoom call over phones, but we, we got something down, which was fantastic. And then to have someone like a Nino Schurter, you know, yeah. When you and I retired from sport, we took up mountain biking. Um, And then we watched tons of it. Yeah, we did (laughs) watch. We realized from watching it and how how unbelievably skilled those guys are and how their sense of fear, I guess, is not there or they just shut it down and don't worry about it. But it's very impressive and how how much fitness you actually have to have for a lot of that mountain bike. It's amazing. Skills, fitness, everything. Yeah, I was really nervous for that one with Nino Schurter because we'd mm-hmm. watched so much of the Red Bull TV mountain bike racing mm-hmm. and the, and um, 
you know, here's a guy that's a gold medal, silver medal, bronze medal at the Olympics. He's eight-time world champion, or was it nine? I don't know, lost count. And um, right before we hit recording on that one with Nino Schurter, which was lined up through a friend of ours, um, he he's like, what am I doing here? What's this about? <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then we got going and we just had, you know, it was just fantastic and, I'd like to say we're, I'd call him a friend now, you know, after that hour and a half conversation, which, which ended with his little daughter coming in in uh, Swiss German saying, Daddy, time for dinner, you've been gone too long kind of thing. So it was, Fair a, enough. It was a really nice ending to the show. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been fun to have sort of a, a mixture of people. Yeah, definitely. It's, I mean, I even enjoyed, you know, Dan McPherson from entertainment side of things and it's, you know, it kind of everyone that you're having on has kind of fine-tuned their skills in their talents into what they feel that they're best at. And so it's always exciting to kind of hear how they've gotten there mm. and their experiences and yeah, just kind of, you can kind of relate to different language, but it's kind of the same. No, you're right. Well, that's, I think I'd like to branch out more to the entertainers because I think their journey and their processes, there's so many similarities between that and sport in the sense that it requires tremendous preparation. There's, um, they can be going for a role or whatever and, and they got to get, they get shot down and it's quite tough to take. And it's like losing a race that you, you know, you've trained really, really hard for, for a long, long time. Um, and, and then coming out of character, you know, Dan was fascinating on how he had to ground himself after years of being a certain personality and, um, and, and having to ground himself. And, and, and that's what with, with athletes, we have to do the same kind of thing. There's a, a time in the year you got to step away and try and get yourself back to neutral. And uh, it was fa fantastic listening to Dan um, and how he's been able to operate at such a high level in the Hollywood and movies and TV and all of that. So It's got to be stressful. <laughs> it's got to be stressful. <laughs> it seems like it's all fun and games, but I don't know. I think, you know, there's a lot of money on the line for those guys and, you know, every performance counts, I'm sure, for them and, yeah. you know, just like sport. But You'd, you'd have to feel pretty confident in yourself, wouldn't you? When you go in yeah. and you give your best well, performance and then they go, no, nah, you're rubbish. You're like, yeah, that, oh. would, <laughs> that would kind of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he says, look, maybe I wasn't tall enough or, you know, yeah. didn't have enough muscle or whatever. And um, Yeah, you, I, you definitely have things to talk yourself out of it to kind of keep your, <laughs> keep your ego intact, I'm sure. But, uh, I, you know, I think it's horses for courses. So like when, if, if, the, if you're perfect for the part, you're perfect for the part and you know, the producer and director have what they want in mind and mm, mm. you just go on to the next part. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know? fantastic. Has there been one episode? Can you pick one that you really, or one person that, okay, you're coming on the show now as a co-host sometime. Is there one person that you would have liked to have been a co-host with that maybe you're a fan of or? Oh, let me think. I mean, I do, I do think people commentating sport is so important and one that I've truly loved over the years is Phil Liggett. So oh, yeah. and then you had him on and I was like, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think, um, I think he's great and I think he's so down to earth, but it's, yeah, just I, for right now, so far. Yeah. I think Phil's my guy. I, well, I remember when I, before I started this show, I was like, you know what? would be really great to have as an introduction and an out role for this show it would be something like the voice of cycling, the voice of endurance sports mm -hmm. more than cycling because he's done triathlon and the Olympics and everything else. I was like, why not just reach out to him? I knew we were friends on Twitter or LinkedIn or something. And I, I wrote him and said, would you do it? And he wrote straight back, like almost that afternoon. And I remember getting like 
I think I yelled out to Laura, Laura, filming it, said he would do the intro and outro. And here he was in his place in Africa and he still made it happen. And, uh, and then he said he'd come on for a chat and, uh, you know, just, I think we will have him back though, because he's the, one of the world's great storytellers, you know, he's, that's that's what I loved about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I think we scratched the surface on some of his stories, but I think we could definitely go even deeper and i believe there's a, a documentary that's just come out um about phil Luggett in australia and you have to forgive me i'll put in the show notes whatever it is but it's um just came out in australia where they documented his life and his journey so that's another oh, thing that'll be brilliant yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's what i think his true gift is storytelling he even mentions it in the in the podcast with you mm-hmm. saying he just sees the color he just starts talking he sees it Mm. And then all of a sudden he's commentating, you know, know, like just hanging out with friends, like driving in the car or something. So, yeah, I think it's a true gift, but he he definitely exploited it. And I'm so happy he's so successful in what he's done. Mm. I, it's, I actually would love to be, uh, to commentate with him. I think that would be a bit of a oh. career highlight too. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> all get right. That, well, get that gig. I, I think, I think we've um, pretty much rehashed nearly every episode we've done over this last 18 months. Um <laughs> Maybe maybe let's just move on and, and shift gear a little bit and talk about quickly just how we met so people have an understanding of our background. Um, so you, you start. <laughs> okay. You hunted me down. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, well when, I, when I first got into the sport, I tried to figure out where the best athletes in the world were and I figured out that it was Australia. So they had this racing when I... Um, in 98, I believe. And it was down in, you know, so we'd follow summer. So Australia kicked it off from January to April. And then the rest of the world started up in April and, you know, you travel the world. So I figured out going down to Oz was the place to be. And that's where we met the first time in 1998. And we had different friends and everything. So we didn't really connect more than just a, hi, I'm Greg. Hi, I'm Laura. (laughs) (laughs) But I did think you're pretty all right. So in that short, short introduction or whatever. So, but yeah, so racing on the Aussie circuit where, you know, the best in the world came down to race because that's where the racing was in the off season. And, and yeah, we started off there. Yeah. And then it was really, I remember I was training, uh, Brett Sutton was my coach. Um, and I remember Brett saying to me, you know, and, and to me and to Loretta Harrop, can you guys reach out to, to Laura Reback, which yeah. is your family name at the time, you know, and have her come into the, join the squad. And uh, so we did. We sent you an email, which back then was the dial-up type email where you'd take your little, remember those little things and you plug them into the little phone dial-up. <laughs> little world travelers had that. <laughs> and, uh, and. And, and basically, we emailed you, but you said you never, you never heard. Never back. received that email, so I don't know. I don't know what you emailed, but <laughs> I didn't receive it. So, yeah, I know. I mean, I don't know. Had I had I gotten that, maybe this whole future would have been completely different. Yeah. Who knows? Well, you know? it was only it was only eighteen months. Two years later, you turned up into Victoria, Canada, and um, I'd been there training with uh, my good friend Simon Whitfield and. Uh, and and the Canadians brought you up to train with a Canadian triathlete Shannon uh, Sharon Donnelly, uh, who was going to the 2000 Olympic Games, and she needed a training partner. You turned up, 
and we basically hit it off. So yeah, that's that's a that's kind of a long story, and, and we we really didn't date. We were together, and yeah. boom, that was it. <laughs> Maybe two years later, we went on a date. It was like, well, we've never done this before. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's kind of wild, but I guess that's part of sport. You know, yeah. you're basically living on the road and yeah. living with different athletes, and so you didn't think twice about it, but. That first year of living together definitely felt like the first year of marriage. It did. There was there was a few <laughs> there was a few obstacles and figuring it out how to make it when, work. But yeah, when you want it to work, then it is a lot harder. But let, let, let's shift gear again. So that's how we met. Um, the Olympics coming up. Uh, we're recording this early May. Uh, right now, they obviously postponed from twenty twenty the Tokyo Olympic Games. Right now, they're still on, uh, as far as I'm aware, uh, for twenty twenty one. We're, we're not that far away. July 23rd, they start. Um, let, let's talk a bit about, um, well, let me ask you a question and, and, you know, tell me about what the Olympics meant to you and, and what it's like to qualify and the experiences that you had both the times that you went. Well, it's definitely an amazing experience. And I think when you're doing the short course racing that was kind of the pinnacle of our sport during our generations of racing. And so you definitely wanted to check that box, but having the opportunity, you know, I, I tried to make it in 2000 and 2004 and, um, you know, just missed out. So, you know, before I left the sport, I definitely wanted to have that experience. And so at first you're kind of thinking, okay, well, maybe it's not everything, but at the same time you're thinking, okay, I definitely want to make this make the Olympics and have that experience. And that was the thing. It was, it's another experience in our sport. You know, the day of the race, it's the same girls that you're always racing. It's, you know, the course, you know, because you've been training on train or racing on it, you know, the years before, but I think having the crowd and the energy around one race um, made it just so much more mm. exciting and mm. fulfilling to some degree. And I mean, not that it's everything, but it, it was definitely I don't know. I kind of look at life as having as many experiences as you can. And I think that was one of them that I really, really enjoyed, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, and, and in the sport that I'd given so much of my life to. So it was pretty, pretty exciting. And 08 and 12 were completely different experiences. 08 was more of the first time of going to the village and experiencing everything the Olympics had to offer. And then 2012, the race, the energy around that race was amazing. Mm. Beijing had a little bit, you know, the crowds were kind of spread out a little bit more. So you didn't have that level of energy, but in London, it was, it was just electrifying. You couldn't even hear yourself breathing mm. in, when you went through those crowds. So just that kind of energy and that kind of excitement around a race and, and, a sport that you have loved for so long and, and really enjoyed and given your whole life to is, it was really, really fun. I, th I think it's, uh, if I was to surmise your 08 and 12, it was kind of like 08 was the, the full Olympic experience. Yes. Whereas 2012 was the specific triathlon race experience, like the, with the crowds mm -hmm. and the energy around that specific race. Whereas I felt like 08, you had good friend, um, uh, Julie, Julie on, on, on Julie your, Swale, Julie Swale on your team, and Her you time. guys were like, uh, you know, just buddies that wanted to take in every experience at the Olympic. You know, there's a great, um, huge photo of the American team that are marching into the marching, walking, walking yeah. into the stadium on opening ceremony, and there's you and Julie. <laughs> 
front and center. <laughs> she dragged you to the front and it's just exactly. a great image. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. And, but it was like that to me is what, yeah, Beijing was for you. It was that full, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. all encompassing. I mean, what do you, what, what did, what's the Olympics to you? Yeah. I mean, you've done so much in the sport with all the non-drafting success you've had. And yeah. I mean, of course you started, you know, in the Olympic distance towards the Olympics and maximized yourself there, but. Well, a bit, is, a bit like you said, it was kind of like you didn't want to leave the sport, even if you'd been ranked number one in the world or whatever, and, and you hadn't ticked that Olympic box. You know, it was kind of like you needed to have that. A quick mini break. I really want to encourage you to do something special for yourself and sign up for Athletic Greens and get a free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase by visiting athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Greg. If you want to see all your key metrics like your pace, distance, stroke rate, and heart rate while you're swimming, you need the Form Smart Swim goggles. Go to formswim.com forward slash Greg. That's formswim.com forward slash Greg and get $15 off or you can use code Greg15 at checkout. Take advantage of the great sale going on now at Hyperice. Plus, get 10% off all Hyperice products using the exclusive Greg Bennett Show discount code GREG21 at checkout. Go to hyperice.com and use code GREG21. I think after the 2000 experience for me, I was pretty devastated. You know, I felt like I'd made the team and um, a couple of weeks later, I found out I wasn't. And uh, it was all bit of a court case and it was a bit ugly. Um, and there's more I could have done, definitely, uh, looking back that I could have done better in 2000. Um, but that one hurt a lot because that was a hometown Olympics. You know, as a crow flies, I was about, I lived, grew up two miles from the Sydney Opera, Opera House stairs. I'd won on the course the year before and come third three times a year before that. It was a course that suited me. And I was ranked number two in the world. And, 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 and so it was very difficult to, to swallow. But then I remember just thinking, well, you know, next time around, I'm not going to let any selectors or anybody have anything to do with it. I have to do it myself. You know, it mm -hmm. just, it's the only way and to go. so I went about, you know, having, you know, you and I were now together and that was a big thing post 2000 Olympics. You and I got together, well, um, right before the Olympics actually, but um, we grew as a team and, and I think we managed, you helped me manage a lot of the emotions that I struggled with in sport, which helped me find neutral, which was what I needed. Um, so then, yeah, 02 and 03, I went on to win, you know, the World Series back to back, started winning more. I was on the podium more, um, having that world number one ranking going into 2004 was nice. Um, but then I pulled up a bit injured. The Australian team put the, the selection um, in sort of end of December and start of February with the two trial races. I was like, oh, I've been it's racing so, internationally. <laughs> it's so hard to change up uh, your year cycle, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I was like so disappointed. always in August and then trying to peak in December, January's. Yeah, it was brutal. It's it was not, really hard. I was tired. Natural. I remember saying to you before flying to the second selection race, because the first one I didn't do well in at all. It was terrible. Um a good mate Simon Thompson qualified and so there was still two spots left and so I went to Perth and I told you before we went to Perth a couple of days before I said Laura don't even come mm -hmm. you know don't bother jumping on the plane cancel your flight and I think we even had nachos and beer yes we did and it was it's a like couple of beers taking this seriously forget <laughs> it I'd, only, I'd basically given up I felt like you know what 
I'm going to be world number one. This I was world number two last time I missed out, and this time I'm going to be world number one and missed out, so don't even come. And then I, when I was going over to the race, I thought, look, I know the third spot the selectors are basically going to choose somebody that they think, you know, could either work well with the team or could medal on their own. Why don't I show that I can bike really well and maybe they'll put me on the team as a domestic for, you know, Simon Thompson or whoever's on the team. So I charged away on the, the swim and the bike and got myself a gap. Um, long story short, I did qualify and I didn't realize how much it meant to me until I sat down at the finish. I was absolutely exhausted. And this, so this is, <laughs> you got to take it with a grain of salt. I was really tired, everybody. <laughs> and they shoved the, you know, the, the, the camera crew in front of me. Um, and I was sitting there just exhausted. And, and I think, I can't remember who interviewed me, but they said, you know, you're on, you're going to the Olympics. How does it feel? And then. It was, was that a tear? Yeah, well, <laughs> was it a sob? It was, or was it a cry? Uh, uh, I don't know. Well, I would have said it was. It was a, a bit of a tear. The media came out the next day saying he actually. This is quote unquote. He cried like a baby. <laughs> oh, I was like, that's a bit rough. It really was a bit harsh. Um, but yeah, so a lot so, of emotion goes into all of that. But I was overjoyed um, to to qualify for the Olympic Games. Um, but again, you know, I, I ended up a bit injured after that race, um, pulled my Achilles, really did some damage to it. Didn't run for months and months, kept it hidden from everybody. Yeah. And then about eight weeks out from Athens, started to be able to run again. And honestly, and I've talked about it on this show a lot, my, my confidence, I went to that race in Athens, just hoping not to embarrass myself, you know, and mm -hmm. And that was a pretty poor mindset, right? I yeah. mean, I mean, I've been dealing with injuries and everything else, but I just didn't want to embarrass myself. Um, a couple of things happened in the race where I think had I been in a more aggressive racer and if, had I won more in my career, I could have taken advantage of. Um, and in the end, you know, came fourth by eight seconds. And what's mm. crazy, you went to Beijing, came fourth by six seconds. So we both have fourths, but you are the better athlete for only being six seconds Thank behind you. third. Thank you. <laughs> I know it all adds up. Yeah. It's amazing. You can come down to just six to eight seconds in a two hour race and mm. 25 years of training. But it does. <laughs> well, it's like you described swimming though is even worse. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you're awesome. You, you're not awesome. You, you suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, what about, um, what do you think was missing? You know, I, I, know. I, I mentioned I that. Us. I think, yeah. I think, you when know. We, I'm talking I, about missing for our wins, I guess. Yeah, Not missing. winning. We, we both came fourth. Yeah. Oh, for that, that day. I mean, you can break down the races and, and know the players. And I mean, I really feel for me in my, I feel like you, you have, I went to 08 and I went to 12, but I really feel like eight was my peak in my career. However, who knows, maybe I could have done 12 if I'd done it a little differently. But I think that, you know, the players that are, it's funny, you kind of look at the the World Series and the racing leading up to the Olympics. And if you look back, because I have done this before, you see the players that are constantly on the podium. Mm. And generally, those are the ones that are of course. vying for the gold medal at the day of the games. And so, you know what they're made of. I mean, you and I didn't leave any stone unturned as much as, you know, for what we believed of how to get the job done, you know? Mm. And so I, I, I don't know, you know, if 
we often even taught, thought about bringing a coach in to kind of help manage us because you can do so much as athletes on your own. But when it gets down to the nitty gritty, like that's last six weeks of training and you get start to get really tired and you're not mm, really, mm. you're kind of helping each other out, but you're also managing each other's emotions and you're managing, you know, their training because we're always talking about everything. And so it can be quite overwhelming. You don't have the opportunity to just focus on yourself. And I think with, with having a personal coach on the line, there's management in that because they need to be involved. Whereas that's where we had together, we could just, you know, we knew how each other were feeling all the time because we were together all the time and you're not going to have that in a coach. So I don't know, you know, honestly, I feel like what we were missing for more wins. I mean, you kind of dialed yourself in a little bit later, but mm. I'm not sure if you dialed it in because you went to non-drafting and that's where you're more suited mm. or, you know, you had plenty of wins in the World Cup series as well, but it didn't suit your talents as much as the non-drafting. So yeah. I think, I think you're right. I think, I think my talents were the non-drafting Olympic distance. And when they made the ITU draft legal, mm -hmm. that wasn't ideal, but you know, we all had to change and adapt quickly. Exactly. And, and, Those and that, that did were yeah. successful for longer, yeah. for sure. So here's a question for you. You mentioned, um, you know, you can always look at the form guide mm -hmm. coming in. Okay, this Olympics, we haven't seen anybody race really much for 18 I months. This I mean, we, we had Hamburg, they turned into a last minute world championship last year, but it was a sprint distance. Um, and that does change the it dynamics a fair bit. definitely changes the dynamics. Um, you know, it's... Who, who, who do we pick? I mean, it's, it's like we I haven't seen I, I a lot honestly, of racing. You almost have to wait until people start racing. If there's going to be any racing mm, before mm. the Olympics, if there's not, yeah, honestly, doing research and trying to figure out who the players are is going to be really difficult. Yeah, well... I'm, I mean, you have a lot of the the different types of racing happening on a treadmill and inside a velodrome and all of we've that. We've had Macca's Super League. We've had some half yeah. distances and we have had some ITU stuff. I, actually, when this episode comes out, it'll be the Yokohama World Series would have just been on this past weekend. So it's kind of... Okay. <laughs> you and I are talking uh, without knowing the results of um, what's, what's happening in Yokohama. But that should okay. give us a good indicator of yeah. who's starting to... I mean, I can't, I can't even imagine the mindset of the athletes in this period of time with all the uncertainty and mm. how you can train as hard as you need to be training to get ready for an Olympics mm. and not even knowing if they're going through. I mean, you're always on the edge when you're trying to push yourself and to have that intensity stay there and not knowing when the deadline is. I mean, they already pushed the Olympics back a year. So, mm. you know, they were trying to get ready for the last one. And like we said, they changed your trials one time from to December, January. I mean, that really kind of screwed everybody yeah. up. Mm. Imagine another extra year. I mean, some people it worked out well. They were injured and <laughs> they're like, sweet. Yeah. Although coming up, you know, they yeah. were young. For the youngsters, it's kind of going, okay, I can have one more year of development. For the Javier Gomez, Alistair Brownleys, it's mm -hmm. kind of like getting a bit older. Still, yeah, exactly. still incredible, but they're exactly. like, oh, I've got to hang on for one more year. Yeah. Um, what was interesting when I had Jake Burt whistle on a couple of weeks ago, um, so Australia's mm -hmm. great hope for the gold medal and, yeah. and really is a, one of the favourites. And if it comes down to a sprint, nobody's beating him. Um, he said, and when I asked him that kind of motivation, where does it come from? He said, while there's a 1% chance of the Olympics going on, I'm training 100%. Nice. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, exactly. and he said, look, that doesn't mean there hasn't been moments if it's been yeah. tougher to get out the door, but he's, um, you know, the, these guys are totally inspired. Yeah. Um, and it is incredible to just 
you know, and they are doing what they love to do. And if they can afford to keep going without, you know, I mean, I think the sponsors have been pretty amazing mm, from what know, I've, sticking from with what the I've athletes heard. through this period of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, maybe it's considered an essential job. Well, well, I think what, from what I've heard with a lot of the sponsorships, you know, because I have asked not so much on the show, but mm-hmm. maybe post recording, you know, how are you doing? And, and for the most part, I think our sport and, and the loyal partners, the sponsors that these athletes have around the world, whether they're European, Australian, American, whatever, they, the companies that have stuck by the athletes is really pretty yeah, fantastic. Pretty and, um, there might have been a little bit of a cut, you know, a little bit of a pay cut, but nothing, you know, yeah. they've all been able to still do, still work even though they're not racing. So I think yeah. that was pretty cool. No, that's pretty great. Yeah. Now let, let's change gear a bit. That's our Olympic spill, everybody. We both, uh, you know, spent much of our lives focusing on qualifying and experience in their games. Um, had many, many disappointments along the way and some, and some great joys Definitely. in that. But let, let's chat a bit more about triathlon in general. Um and we've mentioned quite a few athletes, but let's let's talk about, you know, you have both been in the sport since the mid-80s. You know, you started really young. Um, what, what, what do you think of the athletes? If I said to you, greatest, of athlete, greatest athlete of all time, is it easy for you to, to narrow that <laughs> I mean, down? <laughs> you know, honestly, that's such a hard thing to, to determine. I mean, you've done this whole spreadsheet that kind of breaks <laughs> it all down, which I think is hilarious. Yes, I like my spreadsheets. Yes. Um, so maybe we can bring that out for everyone and we can really have an an analysis of, you know, what the athletes are on paper and, and the numbers and how attributing numbers to what they've done. But I think that, you know, it's really hard. I, one example of why it's very difficult to kind of compare athletes that aren't all, that aren't racing in the same generation is that I think athletes at this level are going to adapt to whatever type of racing they need to in order to be successful. Mm. So for example, when after 04, there was a huge swim pack of Loretta Harrop, Nikki Hackett, Barb Lindquist, Sheila Taramina. Mm. And yourself. <laughs> and, my, and myself hanging on for dear life. Um, yeah. And so, and so it was really much about swim-bike combination and then the best runner of that group wins. And... Once those guys retired in 04, the bottom dropped out for swim bike, you know, groups, pop proper group, mm. and it became a running race. And so all of a sudden the runs, and granted in that period of time, often the run win would be around a 35 or 36 minute 10K out of that swim group that was off the front. You would have the random athlete come from back from behind from behind sorry um like siri lindley Mm. you know she made the swim pack um and she could run at that time that 33 34 minute 10k so she would definitely smash the quote-unquote swim bikers but once that group went away now there was a ton of runners that are now in the race because there's no swim bike group Mm. you know driving away from the group Mm. and so that's where everybody's run times now started to drop mm. and they, the running got so fast. That's where you had Fernandez and Emma Snowsill exactly. come on board. Yeah, Those guys were the next group of, mm. of proper fast runners, mm. you know, running that 33 to 34 minute 10K. Or quicker, I think. Or, even sub 33, I think, a couple of times. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, granted, the swim bike wasn't as hard 
And well, we that's know, what you're saying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, you yeah. take out yourself uh, and the four other women you mentioned, and the swim's not as quick, and so yeah, it's, everything it slows down at the front. Yeah, so the back. So end you of the have rest. more energy for the run. So it is kind of all a balancing act, and so that it makes it a little difficult to kind of say, um, you know, let's say, or or going back to like Karen Myers and Makili Jones and those guys mm. way back. I'm not exactly sure how they're racing. I didn't get to race. Well, Karen, I didn't. McKeely, I did a little bit, you know, towards the end of her career. And, you know, I think that, I think it was a little bit more of non-drafting back then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that's a completely different race. So comparing that and comparing to draft Well, legal. actually, Karen Smiles won the first ever draft legal race. In Manchester. No, no. in Cancun. Oh, that's right. In Cancun. Cancun and she did that only... F- Five weeks after winning Kona Ironman. I know. She was the first to do the double, right? <laughs> she did the double, but not only was it the double, it was the first time they went to draft legal. And so we were all trying to go, you know, from this non-drafting style of racing and 95 it was. And yeah. um, we got to have Karen on the show together because I think, yeah. you know, we both really admire and respect Karen and it'd be great to have her on. Absolutely. Um, but this is why I have the spreadsheet. Exactly. See. Got to y- put numbers to it. Because... It's one thing to talk about so-and-so has so many titles, 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 titles. Okay, great. How are they getting those titles does matter to me, right, on my spreadsheet. I want to know that you can swim, you can bike, and you run, and I weight them evenly. So um, I think they each get 15% each or whatever, 15% to swimming, biking, and running. And so that's 45% of your total goes to how well you do each individual discipline, right? Then I break it down into going, okay, how many titles do you have? Because titles are what? Yeah. Matter. Your world titles. You can show up on the big day. And so how many world titles you got? I think there's, I can't remember, don't quote me, but I think it's about 20% goes straight to world titles. Then we have small percentages like for longevity, you know, people that have been in the sport, you know, once you're on top for 10 plus years, now you're getting 5% out of 5%. Um, then we have the ability to, maybe it's 5 or 10% for the ability to cross from, you know, super sprint style racing, super league type stuff to... ITU to non-drafting Olympic to, you know, the whole way through to Ironman. Um, someone like Christian Blumenfeld doing a fantastic job at that right now, doing sort of very well in the Super League, doing well at the 70.3s. Um, and he's on track to try and break the um, the seven hours or whatever for the Ironman. Him and Alistair Brownlee doing Chris McCormack's thing that he's got oh lined up. Yes. So anyway, my point is with all of that, the spreadsheet works, people. Um <laughs> It may lean in favor to whatever works to my strengths. I'm not going to lie, but I'm still only ranked about 15th on that spreadsheet list. So I'm not being, I could have ranked it more to Olympic distance, non-drafting, blah, 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 but I didn't. You are trying to be fair, right? (laughs) I am trying to be fair, (laughs) but I have upset people with it when I have mentioned it on this show, Um, you know, because I've got a lot of good mates in the top 10, including Simon Whitfield, Chris McCormack, Craig Alexander. Um, and they all want to be out doing each other. So that's I a bit know. of fun. <laughs> the competition never dies, honestly. <laughs> Especially between us, us guys. But <laughs> I mean, you, you mentioned so many great names there. McKeeley Jones, Karen Smyers. Mm. Um, you know, we forget people like Erin Baker, who not only was she able to win major races, you know, Ironmans and everything else, but she was a real advocate for equality for women's sport. And she was, she was one of, I think she was the first to say, I'm not turning up unless you pay equal money. Nice. Um, so I, she, she's fascinating in her own right. I, like um, I know but, a lot of people argue about that sort of thing, but you got to open that door in order to, to incentivize mm-hmm. women to get more involved and know that they can do it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm all for making it fair for both because I do think guys, there's a lot of guys a lot of time on the starting line over minimal amount of girls and getting paid mm. the same is can be tough for the guys to swallow and, you know, feeling it's, you know, quote unquote, not fair. But I think sometimes we all have to give a little to yep. gain more in the long run. And 100%. Yeah. I mean, it's still... If you're doing well in the sport, you're doing well. Oh, that's what know? I was saying to you this and morning. There's still plenty of races around. Plenty. Um, and if you're good, you can be a professional athlete and, mm-hmm. and, and have a decent income. And yes, you are going to have to dedicate your whole life to it. And mm-hmm. yes, you are going to have to reinvest in yourself. That's what that's what we did, you know. You, but if you plan it out and you, you know, say, okay, 10% of my income is coming back to making sure I'm taking care of my body. I mean, you train so hard and then, you know, we've seen athletes in the past where train so hard and then they'll race, go to a race and not invest in themselves in the sense of <laughs> racing or um, flying economy. So you're flying all- economy and staying in a homestay 10 miles from the race or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's like do one race and do it right do it in right. the year. Don't do 10 races and do it that way. I mm. guarantee you, you start backing yourself that way and you will you will find success. And okay, maybe you do have to have a little bit of a of a side job happening in your buildup. Maybe, yeah. But may- it is worth it because yeah. one day you're going to have that locked in and you'll be able to, you know, it's almost like a exponentiated curve. You know, you, you all of a sudden accelerate and you're like, wow, I've been fighting for seven years and then all of a sudden I'm, <laughs> I'm now here. I'm killing it and I'm here. And then everybody's like, when are you retiring? Yeah. You're like, I just this got is, here. Come on, give me a chance. <laughs> it was funny you mentioned that uh, Andrew Starkovich came up to me in Challenge Miami a few weeks ago and he, he said, Greg, do you remember you said to me, it's better to do one race really well nice. and win it than do five races average. And I said, well, I actually don't remember saying that, but <laughs> but it is exactly what you just said. It's that, yep. you know, prepare yourself, do it right mm-hmm. um, and, and turn up and deliver the goods. And it's amazing how much, not only will you get rewarded, of course, with prize money and maybe some endorsements, but your mindset, yeah. the ability to know that I can win when it matters, you know? Exactly. And I think having having, that's where you build a lot of confidence when you back yourself and then it mm. plays out for you and you say, okay, yeah, it does pay off mm. to have that focus and that understanding that it's not about scrambling. It's about proper planning, smart training, mm. not overtraining, not, mm-hmm. you know, killing yourself and just saying hard work, you know, but kind of figuring out your strengths and weaknesses and maximizing mm. both of those to the, you know, to the utmost you can and it does work. Yeah, I mean, we kind of we kind of moved off topic there, but it, it, no, it's it's great. I love all of that because I think um, you know we're talking about we're kind of still talking about athletes and greatest of all time, and um, yeah. and and, and well, there's just so many. I kind of break it down these days in my mind. I don't know how this works, but there's kind of an old school greatest mm-hmm. of all time. Then there's kind of a current school greatest, and then there's this new generation coming up um, that we've mentioned, and uh, you know, Cassandra Bogrant, um, Jake Burtwistle, the Beth Potter. Do you see her run that five k the that? other day, fourteen forty one? That's insane. I mean, Beth Beth is a, a woman's name. Everybody, if you haven't heard of it, that's not a man's time. That is a woman's. That's absolutely insane. These this young and, and Jake Burtwistle, his times he could be one of the Australia's great runners, you know, like a, a Mottram and all of those yeah. that we had, De Costello. Mm-hmm. Jake Burtwistle, if he wanted, could have that, but he's chosen triathlon. It's pretty amazing. That's so cool to see our sport getting this unbelievable raw talent choosing. I mean, Lucy Charles Barclay, you know, 
could have just focused on the swimming. Um, just swam a 16, 41, 1500. I don't believe the 1500, though, is a, a women's Olympic distance. Uh, I thought it was only 800. I thought it was the 800 the as well. I Unless mean, they've maybe, changed it. I don't maybe know. at one time or. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But I, I saw that the other day and I was closer. like, oh, is that. A, I didn't know if that was. Yeah. How about the races? How about how have they, have they changed? Um, you know, you started in the mid 80s. What do you what do you yeah. think have been some of the big differences you've seen, you know, from then to now? I mean, that's 35 years. Well, the, exactly. <laughs> oh, we're aging I mean, ourselves. I think, I think the publicity um, was a little bit better way back then for the non-drafting racing. Mm. You know, I mean, we're talking about different types of racing here. So you've got the non-drafting U.S. non-drafting. So you would have had the Bud Light series. Mm, and mm. I mean, we can talk to Karen Smyers about that because I'm pretty sure that was her and McKeely, their main, you know, racing back then before ITU started the World Cup series, even though that's been going since the 1990. So 1989 was the first 1989. one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So maybe that kind of morphed into it, into each other. But yeah, so you have... Um, you know, the different groups. And then, of course, the World Cup Series goes into the Olympics. And then you've got the Grand Prix, which we did down in Australia. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, having that, that is why the Australians were so amazing for so long. You guys were racing all year round. Mm. And that's why the world came down to be a part of it. You know, you would want, I mean, when I got into the sport after swimming in college, I thought, well, if I'm going to try and be the best in the world, where are the best in the world? And Australia was it at the time. And so that's where you go. Mm. You know, a lot of Americans wouldn't travel back then and they didn't want to, you know, leave their soil to kind of race all year round. Get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. (laughs) Exactly. But I don't know, in my perspective, if, you know, if you're doing this, let's do it, go all in. And so that kind of racing was happening. And what's amazing is Mac has now pulled that back Mm. around. You know, we did lose that Grand Prix racing in... Basically, I think it was after 04 Olympics, mm-hmm. Australia stopped doing it. I think, you know, they the Federation got involved with the Olympic movement. Mm-hmm. And so they wanted to control the Formula One racing. And that was the worst part about it. You know, the Bray brothers had started that Formula mm-hmm. One and it was it was their own enterprise to make money. And we all profited from it. I, I think, uh, sorry to interrupt, but, but I, I just want to touch on that because Delhi Carr, who I had yeah. on the show last yeah, week, exactly. we were just talking about and that how so many of us have to thank the Bray brothers and Andrew mm-hmm. Fraser, who yep. was their, yep. their sidekick and yep. awesome guys. Yeah, um, guy. Just they went out on a limb and chose triathlon and they just, and they, they just made something, they just created a platform for us all to learn our craft. And, you know, we race, like you said, five to seven times, um, five to seven events in a summer in Australia, but each event had three races. So by the time you're coming out of Australia, oh, you're you, so fit. You're 15 to 20 races in, plus if you're doing any national series races, and then you go hit the world's stage. Yeah. The world couldn't keep up. We yeah. left Australian shores, and I remember getting off the bike in some of the races like Ishigaki and Gamagori, Japan, and and even the early European races. And it was basically whoever had done the Grand Prix were top 10. Absolutely. And you were all sprinting together off the bike and the rest of the world were behind. But it was that that kind of racing. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, and you were peaking in August 
if not sooner. Yeah, <laughs> you know? usually and it was hard to hold a peak. I'm once, not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, once once um once the ITU or once Formula One ended in 04, which really made a huge difference of real avoid in you know the the Australian athletes for some part. You know, mm. the bringing up the crop from the below. below. Mm. You know, like you said, you were racing those guys. Yeah. You could race Greg Welsh you every could weekend, race Brad Bevan yeah. every weekend as a young guy, yeah, yeah. and and basically you would you could. Um, yeah. And it was amazing how that experience kind of takes away the awe of those, Mm. of those athletes. Exactly. You know, it makes you feel not necessarily like you can absolutely beat them or you're better than them, but it kind of takes away the fear that you could ever Mm-hmm. be that good. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was a real benefit. You for humanize the, them. Yeah, humanize <laughs> yeah. them, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And that was a real benefit for the Australian athletes. Mm. And that kind of dropped out in 04. Um, but, you know, when there's a void, somebody always picks it up. And that's when the French started mm, there. The French Grand Prix. Maybe they had that always going, but you didn't really know about it as much mm. until the Australian series dropped out. Because mm. most of the French guys would come down yeah, to the Australian. A lot of stuff. the Europeans came down. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, you know, the... Now the Europeans are doing amazingly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think that's all kind of part of it and what made it grow. They've definitely got the races, don't they? If you think about it, in Europe they have the French Grand Prix. I know Chris McCormack puts on a few super leagues in Europe. Yeah. Um, and then the ITU World Series really moved over to Europe a yes. lot yeah. um, this last 10 years, in 15 years. Did. You know, I remember you were still racing. I was focused more on the US non-drafting racing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I for you, you should have been in Europe, but, yeah. but you wanted to keep a marriage with me together. Yeah. So you stayed here and, and gave up half your inc- uh, half of your <laughs> career, um, which I'm incredibly grateful for. But it, it really did become a very heavily European focused series. And, and they got to go where the money goes. I mean, you know, the ITU, Absolutely. you know, in Stockholm are saying, hey, we'll put up money and Absolutely. Leeds, we put up money and Madrid and, you know. And they're putting on fantastic and events And they do amazing, amazing races. But, ITU racing. But you have to move there. I mean, if, you, if, you're, if you're doing ITU and you want to go to the Olympics, mm-hmm. get your butt mm-hmm. and move over to Europe. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, come back and do Montreal and Edmonton or whatever, you know, we have in North America here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's very little in Australia in terms of the World Series. Um, you get Yokohama now, one. We used to get two. You used to oh, get yeah. Ishigaki, Gamagori, back plus to Tokyo. We used to get quite a few. Mm-hmm. So as an Australian, we always had sort of Sydney, Malulaba, Ishigaki, Gamagori, Tokyo. You could do those five or six. Um, Absolutely. And that's right off of the Formula One Series. Mm-hmm. Go straight up to Japan. Yeah. And then we head across to the Europe. And right. all of a sudden you're ranked in the top one or two or three in the world. So now you're getting the better exactly. start positions by the time you get to Europe. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know, but now it's, uh, it, it has been a bit heavier weighted to Europe. But again, I don't begrudge no. ITU. You got to go where the dollars go. And, exactly. uh, and if I was USA or Australian, you know, um, sport director, mm-hmm. I, that's where my funding would be going. Okay. I, I need to take my best and I need to take them overseas to race yeah. and race. Not training camps, race. <laughs> just, Absolutely. Just, you yeah. know, it's one thing we keep training, you training, learn so training. so much more. You yeah. learn so much more yeah. when you're racing. Especially young. I mean, we did yeah. mention, yeah. you know, only race when you're ready, <laughs> only five yeah. minutes ago. But my point is when you're young, in your late teens, early 20s, mid 20s, get out there and race, learn, yeah. learn your craft. Yeah. I mean, we can go into a whole build of an athlete on mm. another ver- <laughs> on another recording. But yeah. Yeah. yes, for sure. There's, you know, like you've spoken about in the past, four block increments with 
coaches mm. to learn. I mean, ideally, you are your best coach. Mm. And that's, how, that's exactly our perspective when we started coaching ourselves. But if you haven't had enough experiences, then that's what other coaches taking you through certain programs are trying to teach you what your limitations are and, and how to deal with all of those things. And so I think if you don't know those things, then yes, coaching, mm. you know, blocks like that and then types of way to race, you know, more racing or more training into certain, you know, planned out races. So, yeah, I mean... Again, uh, well, we no, I think, I think you're on, on, on a really good topic there, though. It's uh, Sarah True, who, who mm-hmm. um, just came out on the, on the show. We were discussing that, and, and Sarah's probably had four of the greatest coaches on the planet, and, and they worked out well in terms of her, where she was. So she started with Siri Lindley, mm-hmm. great motivator, tremendous passion, Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, Absolutely. and I'm a big believer in passion is the the fuel of greatness. It's like you, you got to have the passion and you got to have it there for those down dark times, you know? Absolutely. And so I'm a big believer in that under twenties or that youth generation to have passionate coaches, to fuel you and educate you on the sport. Then she moved over to uh, Darren Smith and his squad, fantastic squad of athletes. Uh, I don't believe Darren's coaching anymore, Australian coach. Did very, very well on the World Series circuit for a yeah, long time. Yeah, can I interrupt you real quick on mm-hmm, that? Of course. Yeah, Darren's definitely, when I was speaking about the 2004 dropout mm. where there was no swim bikers anymore and there was um, his group, mm. actually, they came more like 08, 09, mm, mm, mm. you know, 10, but essentially they brought back a bike group in Lisa Norton and Daniela Riff. That's right. And all of a sudden, the little group that might have been getting away on the swim was now being tracked down. So Daniela Riff was with Darren Smith too, was she? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. She she and Lisa Norton oh, led the way. They just crushed the There's bike. probably a couple more that I'm not really remembering <laughs> at, at the moment, but yeah, those two I yeah. remember No, and in Sarah, in Sarah True's part, she mentions all the names. As, yeah. And Annie Hug was in there. Yeah. I mean, if you think about Darren Smith, who he had, yeah. and now the athletes who are dominating the world. Yeah. It's actually quite incredible. Oh, no. He, he, he really turned a lot of those girls. I mean, everyone talks about Daniela Riff coming out of nowhere. Go back to Seoul, Korea, oh, 2009, yeah. where she comes from behind. You know, mm. it, it was Emma Moffat was dominating at that time. Mm. Was, you know, in 08, 09, she kind of... Yeah, she won a number of world titles there, yeah. Quite a few. And um, yeah, Daniela comes... That was kind of her first breakthrough race that I can recall. She may have more, but no, that, that, was that one I that, remember that. I remember yeah. watching that. I wasn't at that race, but I remember watching that and going, wow. Yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. This girl's, she has talent. She just hasn't been able to use it in that kind of racing, kind well, of like what you talk about. In a couple of weeks, we get to talk to her. I know, we're going to break it down. <laughs> we'll hear the story, story right from her from her mouth. Yeah, yeah. but th- and then going back to what I was saying, so there was the, you know, Siri Lindley, yeah. Darren Smith, and then and then Sarah True went to Joel Filial, mm-hmm. who is now dominating the world series. He's done phenomenal. You know, with Katie Zafaris and Vincent Lewis and, and Mario Mola, all world champions. He's just producing yeah. this plethora of people and it's so, funny knowing him from when we were back oh, in canada him, and he was a sports science guy yeah, and quiet guy he, yeah, just, coached his coached his wife and maybe some other athletes at the time too but very quietly spoken mm-hmm. and but has done so well oh yeah and built so many phenomenal athletes mm. and his episode was just brilliant just yes you know it's amazing when i think when we first knew him living in victoria canada and Joel, like you said, he was this kind of quiet guy in the yeah, corner and you didn't, yeah. you know, we had dinner with him all the time, actually. Yeah, we really yeah. enjoyed our dinners we at that, that um, Japanese restaurant. But 
And now bring him on the show and he's this still quietly spoken, but this confidence that yeah. he understands the process of getting athletes to greatness. And uh, it was pretty cool. I, it's quite a skill. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And then now Sarah True is with another coach that's been on on the show, Dan Lorang. Mm-hmm. Done uh, phenomenal with Jan oh. and... Well, and Sarah. Well, what's incredible honestly. with Dan, he doesn't have a squad of triathletes. They're all coached remotely. Yeah. So he coaches Annie Hug and, and um, Jan Fredino to, you know, the 2019 Ironman World Championships, world records, the whole kaboot, mm-hmm. man and woman, first time ever done by the one coach. Wow. Um, somebody can tell me if that's not true, but I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. Um, coaches Sarah her first year of Ironman to fourth at Kona. And then, you know, if you listen to Sarah's episode, she's had a few health issues since, but just, so I look at Sarah and go, wow, she dialed in four tremendous coaches um, yeah, over definitely. her 20-year career. She'll have to leave the sport going, I've tried everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've just, done everything I can in this sport to be the best I can. Well, if you think of it as I mean, a... Never, you never finish feeling like, oh, no, I've done everything. No. But she has to kind of feel a little bit of comfort in knowing that she could not be schooled any... No. Well, it's like she's got four degrees, one from Oxford, one from Cambridge, one from Harvard and one from Princeton. Yeah. You know? What more do you want? <laughs> yeah. I know, it's true. Let, let's move on a little bit um, and talk about what we've seen in terms of equipment changes in the sport. Um, you know, we can go back to the 80s and I remember when those Scott DH aero bars came out and the profile design, they used to call them pram pushers because they look like a, you know, you're pushing yes. a pram. Yeah, exactly. And then the clipless pedals, they, they, they call them clipless, but they're actually... Clip in. Clip in. It never I'm, made sense to me. No, it doesn't make but sense. But they're basically ski binders came along and yeah. we clipped our feet in. Exactly. And it didn't have to reach down to do the toe straps. Did you ever do toe straps? Did you I did to? have that. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't that hard? Come it's to almost a, more dangerous. It's way more dangerous. You go down and have to, every time you go to stoplight, you have to reach down and yeah, no. unclip. <laughs> <laughs> scary at best yeah and then all the exactly. all the wheels and everything but now yeah. now oh, you haven't insane. tried you haven't tried a new pair of those running shoes have you um no i haven't run in about two and a half years no you haven't run at all have you <laughs> actually four years <laughs> well during the four years of you not running <laughs> things have evolved there's what? things that there's been quite an advancement in shoe technology <laughs> And no, I have seen. Yeah. I have seen. But no, I've not worn. <laughs> I just tried them on and ran down a hallway once and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. They, there was talk of that happening and it's finally come true. Yeah. The, the spring-loaded. Carbon spring-loaded shoe. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting because people are running faster. It's just similar to the swimming, you know, where they Oh, they did the, the speed, speed suits. suits. Yeah, and then and they got rid think, of them. Oh, you're ruining the sport because now... But some of the people have come and broken the records with the speed Without wearing the speed suits. Without wearing them. Isn't that amazing? And that's kind of what I was talking about earlier, that athletes, I think they rise to the level they need to rise to be successful. Mm. If if there's a level there that they feel, you know, they're doing everything they can and they're in that in that group, mm. then they kind of feel, you know, almost almost complacent and they're just taking it along. But what about the ones that create the new level? The Alistair Brownlee, oh, Javier yeah. Gomez before him. You know, now Amazing. Jan Fredino on the men, I'm talking Absolutely. on the men, but yeah. you talk about Daniela Riff for the women yes. um, at the Ironman. Uh, it's all the Flora Duffy, you know, we haven't mentioned yeah. Flora, what that's she right. did for the sport. Was oh, yeah. The ability to swim, bike and run. Well, that's, Whoa. yeah, she's she's one that goes into a, yet a different category, yeah. Yeah. you know, like we were saying, where she can do all three events and mm. she was dictating the pace for all three events. All three. 
So it's one as an athlete to be able to do all three and you're hanging on to Mm. somebody who's, you know, a better swimmer or Mm. a better Mm. biker or better runner kind of thing. But she had all three. She could lead out of the water, do the fastest bike and still drop a run that was fastest or or top two or three or whatever. I mean, it was. Where is she? That's what I mean. I don't know because well, everybody, nobody's racing. Well, I, 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 I'm from looking at her Instagram. She's getting herself fit. And, yeah, good. Uh, I think. Um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, unless we're really tracking their their Instagram and knowing exactly yeah. what they're up to, I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, this on come race day, the Olympics. Oh, yeah, it's going to be so great. Whoever wins, we got to get on this show right away. Right away. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to reach out to everybody. Every, any, anybody listening to us that is racing the Olympics and you do happen to win, understand we are your first interview. <laughs> <laughs> please. Please, please, please. Uh, I know. I'm such a groupie. That's so great. I mean, even things like, um, you know, a sponsor of the show, this Form Swim Goggles. Yeah. They're just, I mean. Exactly. I'm going to have um, Dan on the show who invented the Form Swim Goggles and because it just blows my mind, the technology that you can have. It would have been really handy to have when we were living in Vic and doing yes. so much open water swimming mm. in those lakes, mm-hmm. which was so beautiful. Mm. But you had no measure of, yeah. you know, where you're at. Fetus Lake out around yeah. the island. Remember that? We always, exactly. 1,500 meters. Well, now actually these, we could actually tell you how far it is. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. We were like, you know, um, and then the eight theaters. No, it would have been just, beautiful because it was so nice to swim out there, but you kind of felt like, oh, am I wasting a swim? Or you just use those swims as mm. recovery swims or just your quote unquote long swim day. Or But there's nothing more specific. I mean, that's the thing. No, it's true. If you can it's get true. in the open water, it's so specific. No flip turns or anything. Yeah. But now we can actually use it and go, you can either do it to heart rate. You could actually yeah. do fart like work- workouts, which is my favorite, which means, yeah. you know, change your pace. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that kind of workout. And so you can go rather than I used to always count 100 strokes, mm-hmm. you know, 100 on, 50 off or something like that. Now yeah. you can just go, well, go for 200 meters or hold the heart rate for two minutes at this point. Yeah. You know, you Brilliant. can do so much more. Yeah. And then you can download it, analyze it, share it with your coach or whatever. Yeah. Perfect. Um, you know, not not that you need data for everything. Sometimes you do need to just go and enjoy well, it. There's no reason train, you but. can't. Well, the thing is, is I think the data helps you with your sense of feel. Mm. Some people don't have any sense of feel. So data for them is super important. Mm. But if you have a sense of feel and you feel like, okay, I feel like I'm swimming 110 pace. Mm. And then you get that feedback that it is. Well, now you can dial in exactly you know that feel and you can know it better. Yeah. And that's why that's why I always love data. Some people get too emotional with data and mm. that freaks them out. Like, oh my God, I thought it was 110 and now it's 112 and I don't, you know? <laughs> it's so, okay, those people, maybe just give the, the numbers to your coach yeah. and then he yeah. can kind of- Well, that's the thing we've no, I've noticed with these goggles is you actually don't see the numbers. It is so oh. bizarre to me. Like you don't, you do see them. Um, my point is when you're swimming, you're looking past. Yeah. But then so you, you have to still, go, you can still relax. Well, how, how far have I swum? You go, oh, let me look at my goggle lens, which is right oh. in front of your eye. It is so bizarre. Actually, that's kind of nice though. You kind of, yeah, you look way beyond it and then you go, actually, what, what am I doing? Don't, or you could just really not really look at it and just download, that's like I, mean. I said. You can relax. Mm-hmm. You can still have the option of relaxing if you don't want to yeah. be looking at it the whole time. Yeah. That's really nice. That's probably well detailed by them. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely amazing. No. I just, how they understand how the eye works. <laughs> just because I thought, oh, I don't want to look at a number the whole time. Yeah. But you don't notice it. Um, what about recovery? I mean, how that's changed. 
I know. Well, you and I, I've talked about on the show what we had. You mean you buying know. bags of ice and throwing them in the bathtub? <laughs> Is there something else? Oh, no. Well, well we had <laughs> what Marcus Mejias, our, our massage yeah. therapist, or Dun- Duncan Crosby down in Noosa and, um, and our chiropractors, you know, Alex Keith. I've mentioned all of them on the show numerous times, but basically you and I always had training done by one or two in the afternoon most days and then we'd have body work done yeah. um, and need our team of people. Yeah. I think I got a massage from Marcos every day in 2012. You did, leading up to the games? Yeah. I think so. Or yeah. There was a couple of years. I mean, there's a lot of years I was injured, but a couple <laughs> of those where I just had to, you know, get through it. Yeah, well, strength was always a thing that yeah. you, know, you needed to keep keep working on. On that, what, what do you think has been the craziest, biggest day you've ever done in training? Have you got one that stands out? Um, well, definitely the... The most volume was when I was trying to do some of the Ironman stuff. Oh, towards the end there, Towards yeah. the end. Yeah. And I think there's out here in Boulder. Um, left-hand left canyon. Yeah, left-hand canyon. Yes. did. You're pointing at it. That's yeah. how I knew what she was talking about. People. <laughs> <laughs> left-hand. Can't even remember the names anymore. Yeah. Brain damage caused by too much training. But yeah, I think it's about a 15 mile climb it's probably 17 if you do the really steep part but i would turn around at 15 mile uh, yeah. and which is I how far three, certain kilometers that's 24 kilometers yeah 24 kilometers and i think i did one day three three repeats of that three and a half to try three. to get ready yeah. i figure going up a hill is going to make i mean yes coming down you got to have that advantage but so you do 24k up yeah I'm down at the bottom, 24K climb again. So what is that? Three no, it's about, yeah, so about 100. So left hand goes between about 4 and 8%, I think, Yeah. the whole time. So it's a fairly steady climb. It's not too steep, but you could really... Needless did you do that in your aero bars or did you... Yeah. You did it? Yeah. <laughs> I had to get ready for Iron Man. Yeah, yeah, you know, it makes sense. for five hours in a aero position, yeah. yes. Yeah, so you would do, I mean, I guess a round trip then is 48 kilometers, almost 50 kilometers or 30 miles. And then you did that three and a half times. So, yeah, you get your 180K in. Yeah, that was my long ride. (laughs) And then you get off and go for a run, right? Yeah. I can't remember how much I ran off it. Maybe only about 20K, but I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Only about 20K. Isn't it funny? (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was when I got injured. (laughs) When I peaked on one of those times. But anyway, yeah. Isn't it fun though to sometimes look back at, those extreme days that we did. No you know? idea. I mean, it's... I don't even think I can run 5K right now. No, well, I'm, I'm, I've said it on the show numerous times that I get my 40 minutes in the, in the morning and, you know, 5 to 8K, so maybe 5 miles, is my absolute... Max. And it's hard. I mean, I still feel every now and then I have glimpses, you know, especially if I'm visualizing Jan Fadino chasing me or Alistair Brownlee chasing me. I'm like, oh, I still got this. <laughs> Where are those guys? I'm, I'm running probably, yeah. What's um, your craziest big day? Uh, well, it could be big or hardest, I suppose. Yeah, I think, I think there was, I think, yeah, I think I overdid it for most of my career. Yes. So I mean, it's hard to pick your one. Your Sato years for sure. Well, Sato, no, I actually think when we coached ourselves, yeah. I think I did a lot of um, backing up, backing up, backing up. I mean, yeah. our Tuesday long day running, you know, I, I decided when we would, would put our training program together, I decided firstly running was the priority because I believe the fitness crossed over well to the swim and the bike. Yeah, but I also thought like two two hours on your legs. Mm. 
So we made two, two yeah. hours every every Tuesday and it was done best average pace, you know. And so that was always every Tuesday I'd run 32 kilometres or 20 miles or, or more, quite often do a recovery run in the afternoon to add it, you know, take it up to 40 kilometres. Um, doing that and, and those kind of runs when you do them well would really beat you up. But it yeah. also meant I always felt like I could sprint a 10K. Yeah, that'd be nice. If I if I could hold under six minute mile pace for two hours, it certainly made running under five minute pace for thirty minutes off the bike feel much more doable. Yeah, you know, and that's off the Arthur Ludiard type yeah, of model exactly. of training that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, I, I had Ryan Bolton on the show, mm-hmm. coach, who's an old yeah. friend of yours too, yeah. and we, we talked about you and and he's doing a fantastic job coaching right now. Um, you know, Ben Hoffman, Sam Long, who's just stepped up incredible, uh, Heather Jackson, who's been on the show. Yeah. Um, and he's, you know, we, we discussed that and we kind of had a bit of a laugh because it is that kind of Arthur Lydiard, yeah. pretty strong volume, done well. It's not just out, exactly. outside doodling around. It's doing volume but doing it well. Um, and And I think Ryan's doing that very, very well. But... I think there's also been when I tried my hand at Ironman again, like you towards the yeah. end, I think I did a couple of big days and weeks back to back. You know, I, I kind of uh, I kind of laugh. You know, I remember Tuesday we would do the long run. Wednesday I would do the long ride with everybody here in Boulder, which I think was a bit of a waste of time, to be honest. Very I social. Think. It was social. We'd do the 180, 200K type rides, but... You know, stop halfway. Yeah, yeah. Having a Mars bar and a Coke didn't. I mean, it was fun and it was epic, I guess. But I didn't ever feel like it was that hard. Um, But then Thursday, I'd get up and go right. Well, I'll do a hundred k time trial in the morning, and that would be basically warm up, firm warm up for ten kilometers, then hold a hard ninety k finish at home. Makes more sense. Go straight to swim squad. You know, Um, Mm -hmm. we go down and swim a hard four kilometers. and then meet at Whole Foods for lunch, be, you know, Tim O'Donnell, Crowey, us, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I'd say, okay, let's go up to the Switzerland trail and we go run, you know, 25 kilometers or whatever it was up at 9,000 feet and big hills. And and that would be a Thursday, you know, it was just, but that was on the back of the Wednesday and the Tuesday. And you look back and you're, wow, too much probably. (laughs) I mean, we all went rubbish that year. That was 2012. We all fell apart. I think I ran into Dave Scott on pool deck one day and he's like, (laughs) 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 200 K ride that close to Kona. Not a good idea, guys. Yeah. (laughs) But that's okay. You got to live and learn. But you know what? Now, 10 years later, we're still telling the story. It must've been worth something. That's right. (laughs) You got a story out of it. Oh yeah. I mean, we were talking recovery. I don't know how we got, but, um, oh yeah, this hyper, hyper, I say, I just can't, I mean, they're a fantastic uh, supporter of the show, but their products. Yeah, it's great. Honestly, what a lifesaver. Massaging. Yeah, just to have, well, to have those massage tools on my hips when I go running or the vibrating massage roller. And you know, a lot of it is just warming those muscles up before you put all of your weight into it. Yeah. It's so important. I don't think people really understand that. They have so much, well, yeah, I definitely didn't because I was injured so much, but I think it's just more the, you know, having the opportunity of a simple massager mm, mm. before you run out the door. Just take Just it with get you. some blood in there. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. They've made such a small one. You'd almost be running with it. No, <laughs> not necessary. Well, they do have that, that, uh, the Hypervolt Go, which yeah. is tiny, which you can take on the plane and everything, which yeah, that's nice. 
when you think of your long haul flights, you remember we always had those TP massage balls and little bits and pieces, but now you can actually bring something that yeah, exactly. can actually be giving a bit of a vibration and a bit of um, percussion. Creating I think the is heat. Great. Exactly. Yeah. Now, look, I, I had basically looked at this episode as us sort of bringing you on as a co-host. People can hear you and everything else. Um, I had thought we'd, you know, talk a lot about health and wellness and longevity, but I think we're going to, I think we've focused pretty heavily on the sport and triathlon and, and that's our passion and our love and our life that we, we both led. Um, and I think what we, we, we can do is is keep another episode later on, maybe in, you know, two to three months where it's just the two of us again and we'll focus on sort of, you know, our general health and longevity. What do you think? Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think this is a... I think this is a pretty good place to finish it, to be honest. I think we've, we've covered a lot. Um, I do have a lot of fun questions that I have here, but I think, I think it, um, this gives everybody a nice taste of how Laura and I hope to do this show together going forward. And we now have our studio here in Boulder, where we also hope to have guests come and sit with us. Um, I'm trying to get Timothy O'Donnell in. He wants to bring a bottle of wine, so that'll be an oh interesting gosh. episode. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting. Um, but everybody, Laura... Thanks for thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, you're a co-host now, so yeah, thanks for having me. That's, that's true. That's true. I'm <laughs> um, excited. I'm and and I hope you know going forward stuff. we, you know, we we get to have you, especially bringing the women's woman's perspective. I think it's um, yeah, it's great to, to have that story, to. and um, so I think it's going to yeah. be fun going forward. Love feedback. People are interested. Yeah, Give some feedback. Absolutely, it's the what only way we hear? improve. Yeah, yeah. Please let us know. Please. We want we want the, we want to make this show great and we want to make it great for you the listener so tell us what you want all right let's wrap it up thanks everybody for listening um for all the show notes and timestamps and links and all the coupon codes for the sponsors you can go to bennettendurance.com forward slash media all right take it easy all right bye Thanks a lot for listening to Be With Champions. If you enjoyed the show, your support would truly be appreciated. You can visit the Be With Champions Patreon page or you can subscribe with your podcast app of choice. Don't miss the next episode, so subscribe and be notified. For show notes, if you want to know more, please visit bennettendurance.com. I'm Phil Liggett, and on behalf of Greg Bennett, here's to the next time, and I hope you will join Greg again very soon.